The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this broadcast of Shi'ar Jeshub, featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. We are currently in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21, as part of the Heavenly Authority series. So let's rejoin Pastor Greg. And this simple lie, so that Ahimelech would not question and not be any more inquisitive why David was alone, we'll see leads to a series of events that brings tragedy, terrible tragedy, to Ahimelech, to all the priests at Nob, to their families, to the entire town. This deception will have very tragic results by just simply saying he's on a secret business from Saul rather than telling the priest he's fleeing from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. And that section, you can have a whole sermon just on verses 16 to 19. But I want you to focus on a lying tongue in verse 17, a false witness who speaks lies. God does not favor dishonesty. God does not favor a lying tongue. God does not favor false witnesses. Because deception can bring in tragedy. Now, in David's defense, this is a very dangerous, critical situation. We could say, well, it's really a situation of self-defense. Where is he going to go? When you have the king of a country looking to kill you, there's very few places you can hide. So he's probably very panicked. Where do I go? What do I do? His lie, he's not intending to harm Ahimelech, right? When he lies to Ahimelech, he's covering over. He's just trying to seek help. We're going to see he's looking for food, and he's looking for a weapon. Because he needs food right then, he figures he needs a weapon to defend himself. So he's thinking about his basic needs, him. He's not trying to do harm to Himelech. He's not lying to him to hurt him, but he does hurt him. The dishonesty, the deception winds up killing Ahimelech, and David will cry over it. It may just seem like a little white lie. Well, the king has sent me on special business. But a white lie can open the door for tragedy. And by his deception, what is he doing? He's dragging Ahimelech into the conflict he's having with Saul by his action. He's bringing trouble onto this innocent priest. This man's not doing anything. His household is not doing anything. And yet he's taken his trouble with Saul, and by lying, he's now bringing Ahimelech and his household into the middle of the conflict, and they will pay a price, though they're not involved in it whatsoever. A lying tongue, false witness, deception, God does not favor. And David will be very sorry that he made this what some people will call little white lie. 
Verse 3, Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. He's hungry. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common, regular bread on hand, but there is holy bread. This is the show bread, the bread of the presence, the consecrated bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. So Ahimelech here realizes the rightness of preserving David's life and how to preserve his life because he's hungry and his men are hungry supersedes the ceremonial regulation on who could eat the showbread. He gives up almost his right as a priest to that showbread and he allows David the privilege and his men of Eden, as long as they are ceremonially clean themselves, that is, that they have kept themselves from women. So Ahimelech is far wiser than the Pharisees in Jesus' day. He gives up his right to that bread. He allows David to ceremonially partake of what's not in the law for a greater cause of preserving this anointed one's life. So you can see how petty, now that's the bread that's set in the tabernacle on the gold table before the veil where the ark is behind. How petty that the Pharisees would pick on some grain in the field that Peter and James and John took and ate as they're walking with Messiah, who everyone who comes to him is being healed. The one they've been waiting for. Ahimelech has a much clearer understanding of the law than the Pharisees. And David replies, David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. And obviously they talk about vessels, they talk about the body, right? In the New Testament we speak about our bodies as vessels. They want the person to be ceremonially, physically undefiled. And the end of verse 5 is a difficult one to translate into English. I tend to uh, like the way the NIV and the Jewish Family Bible put it. Let me read from the uh, Masoretic Text, the Holy Scriptures according to the Masoretic Text in the Jewish Bible. It says, And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days. When I came out, the vessels of the young men were holy. Though it was but a common journey, how much more than today, when there shall be holy bread in their vessels? Say, in other words, we were, we were undefiled just for a common purpose. Now we're going to have holy bread. How much more will they be holy? In verse 6, so the priest gave him the holy bread. They're ceremonially undefiled. He sees their need. He allows them, even though not prescribed by the law, to have the showbread. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. How much more should the Pharisees have allowed disciples of Jesus who were spiritually being made not just ceremonially clean being made spiritually clean not by David but by the son of David the Messiah who the scriptures told would be the son of God 
how much more should they have been allowed to eat from that grain? And that's why Jesus gives this example to the Pharisees. He uses the scripture to confront their really demonic attack upon his men. Now we come to verse 7 in 1 Samuel chapter 21, and we see the snake. This is one of Saul's servants. He's called an Edomite. An Edomite is a descendant of Edom or who? Esau. Remember the king of Edom had refused Moses' passage through the land. Uh, in chapter 14, Saul had fought against Edom. So the Edomites... Uh, the descendants of Esau were in conflict with the Israelites even as some of their descendants are today. And here this man, his name is Doeg, he's taken in by Saul and he's made the chief herdsman. He's a chief herdsman of Saul. He, he's over, he's a leader of all the other herdsmen. And he's detained here at the tabernacle. Now, when a person is said to be detained at the tabernacle, it could be because of a vow they took. It could be because they needed some type of ceremonial cleaning. They were unclean. Sometimes they were suspected of leprosy, and the high priest had to examine them before they could go back out to make sure they were not lepers. It says, verse 7, Now a certain man of the service of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. So again, that expression, detained before the Lord, meaning this tabernacle seems to be in full service. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? So verse 7 gives us like a parenthesis as all this is going on, Doeg is there listening to it, seeing it. And then we go to the next need that David has. He says to the priest, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Sometimes lies sound very stupid. You know, uh, we can lie and think we're convincing people, but you know, the lie gets more and more ridiculous. This is David, one of the chief captains over thousands of Saul. Saul sends him out on secret business and is so hasty that he doesn't even bring his sword with him. Doesn't make any sense, right? If he's on some type of special business where he needs a weapon, he would go in the other room, hook the weapon up, and then go out for Saul's business. But he has to explain why he has no food, and he has no weapon. And he can't tell the priest, well, Saul's against me. I've been hiding for so many days, three days, waiting to hear from Jonathan. If Saul really wants to kill me, he can't say that. So the lie gets more elaborate. And he somehow thinks that he can convince him or put it over on him. And it seems like a Ahimelech's such a nice guy that he doesn't even challenge him to say, what do you mean? You're the captain of Saul's army and you don't have a sword on you? What type of business is it that you couldn't stop a minute? If you had to stop here to get a sword, you couldn't find a sword or a spear in the palace before you left. You would have to leave so fast and then take a side journey to come here to get a sword because you had to leave so fast. doesn't make any sense. And lies never make sense. But David tries it. That's the human nature. 
and it's going to bring a terrible consequence. So the priest said, the sword of Goliath, verse 9, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no one other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it, give it to me. David is desperate, that's why he's given this slim excuse. He's desperate for the food, he's desperate for the weapons to protect himself. And you notice that Goliath's sword is by the ephod. Remember how sacred that ephod was. They would discern from God his will with the Urim and the Thummim. And here by the ephod in the tabernacle they place wrapped up Goliath's sword. So that's how much the people of Israel knew that God did a miraculous deliverance through David. How anointed David was that they take that sword as a reminder of how Goliath, who was killed, and they place it before, before the Lord in the tabernacle. And that's what makes Saul's attack on David so astonishing, that everyone knew it was clearly an act of God, and yet Saul only sees murder for David. David was a mighty deliverer used by God. So David knows there's none like it, and he, he takes it. And then in verse 10, David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut.